Good morning, church. Good morning, Chapel Hill. Uh, My name is Julie Hawkins, and I am the director of Next Steps here at the church, and I'm excited to be with you here this morning. As you've heard, we're in a sermon series right now called The Healer. We're looking at some of the miraculous healings in the Gospel of Mark. And each week throughout this series, we've heard a different story, a different situation, a different need. But every week, we've seen the same healer, the same Jesus. Now, if you're visiting us for the first time or if you've been away for the summer, I want to encourage you to download the Chapel Hill app and listen to this series. Because in this series, we have seen what God can do with our doubts, what God can do with our fears, with our desperate situations, with our impossible circumstances. And we've seen that Jesus is compassionate, that Jesus hears our desperate cries, and that Jesus is powerful, that he even has the power to raise people from the dead. I have been so encouraged by our preaching team during this series. It has spoken to me. I've been so encouraged by these testimonies that we've heard, like our sister Anita. And even between services today, I had person after person come up to me and tell about how the Lord had healed them, how the Lord had heard their cry. It's been incredible to see the Lord at work at Chapel Hill during this series. In our passage today, this won't be surprising— It's about healing. Our passage today comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Now, this particular healing, this particular miraculous healing, is the last healing miracle in the earthly ministry of Jesus that's recorded in the Gospels. It's the last miracle that happens chronologically. And this passage is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Am I allowed to say that? That it's a fun passage? Well, it is. It's fun, and it's loud. In fact, most of the dialogue in this chapter is shouting. So, I'm going to encourage you to put in your earplugs and hear the word of the Lord from Mark 10, 46. And Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus A blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is the loud word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join me in prayer. 
Father God, we pray that like you opened the eyes of Bartimaeus, that you would open our eyes, that you would help us to see what this passage has for us. Holy Spirit, would you fill me with your power and your presence as I bring this word to us. May we be a people who walk out of here with increased faith, more like your son, more willing to call out our bold and persistent prayers. We pray these things in the name of that son, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So our story today, it takes place on the road out of Jericho. Now the road out of Jericho, it would have been busy this time of year. It would have been full of Passover pilgrims making their way to Jerusalem. It was customary that a that the Jewish people would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. The Passover feast commemorated when God passed over the Israelites when they were enslaved in Egypt and struck down the Egyptians but spared his people. Passover was Israel's deliverance day. It was their deliverance day. And the road would have been full of people going to Jerusalem to celebrate this holiday, this memorial. And each of those people, each of those families would take with them a lamb that they would sacrifice when they got to Jerusalem to remember the Passover feast. So the road to Jericho, it would have been full of holiday travelers and their livestock. It would have been loud and crowded. And that's where we find Bartimaeus. Those who weren't able to make the Passover trek, they would line the street to catch a glimpse of the well-known, or perhaps they could get some alms from the well-to-do. And it appears that's what Bartimaeus is doing, that he's sitting by the road to beg, because we're told that's what he was, a beggar. To the passerby, Bartimaeus was simply a beggar, He would have been viewed as divinely judged, cursed even with blindness, because blindness was thought to be a curse from God itself. And he would be at the mercy of those who might take pity on him and throw him a few spare shekels as they passed him on the way. But things aren't always as they seem, are they? Because we quickly find out, as we continue in this story, that there is more to Bartimaeus than meets the eye. There's more to this guy than blindness. If I had to pick one word to describe Bartimaeus, I think my first word would be loud, obviously. But if I were to choose a second word, I think that I would choose persistent. Because Bartimaeus is persistent. He's persistent in his belief of who Jesus was. He is persistent in his prayer his petition, and he is persistent in his commitment to follow Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at these ways that Bartimaeus was persistent. First, he was persistent in his belief of who Jesus was. Now remember, this is the last healing miracle of Jesus. This is the last miracle. And so word would have spread throughout the region about what Jesus had taught and what Jesus had done. And you can imagine that Bartimaeus, as he sat by that roadside out of Jericho, that he had heard a thing or two about Jesus. That he had heard that Jesus could heal with just a touch. That he could heal with just a word. And he had heard the things that Jesus was teaching, that Jesus was saying. So in his personal darkness, 
Bartimaeus had time to ruminate, to think about how Jesus might be healing, how Jesus was able to teach and say the things that he was saying. And Bartimaeus had come to a conclusion. He had come to the conclusion that Jesus was the longed-for Messiah, the longed-for king that they had waited for for centuries. Somehow, in his darkness, in his personal blindness, he had come to that conclusion. So let's think about what was going on with Bartimaeus right now. We're going to reenact this a little bit. Bartimaeus, he's sitting by the side of the road, and he hears a great crowd approaching. And he says to somebody, what's going on? And they say, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth coming this way. The Jesus. The one that he knew was the king, the Messiah. What's a blind man to do? Bartimaeus, he starts yelling and screaming as loud as he can above the noise of the crowded road, trying to get Jesus' attention. The word used for his cry is actually shriek. And it's the same word that was used last week in our passage to talk about the shriek, the cry of the demon-possessed man. He was shrieking, trying to get the attention of Jesus. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, son of David. What does that mean? Who's this son of David? We haven't heard that before. It's a, it's a bold claim coming from Bartimaeus. And it's the first time that we hear this title in the book of Mark. And the title, Son of David, it came from a promise that God had made to David, Israel's greatest king, telling David that one day out of his line, one day out of his offspring would come an even greater king. And this king, his kingdom would have no end. His kingdom would be eternal. And so when he cried out, Jesus, son of David— he recognized something in Jesus that even the disciples failed to see, that all those around failed to see. The last person you'd expect to recognize Jesus as the long-for Messiah was the blind man sitting on the side of the road. But he had to do anything in his power to get Jesus' attention. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you recognize somebody and you're like, does nobody else recognize what's going on here? A couple years ago, I was in a situation like that. I was in Washington, D.C., um, and I was walking into a restaurant with a group of friends. And as I was walking into the restaurant, I saw this guy uh, standing in the restaurant. How many of you recognize who that is? Okay, we've got some more hands in this one. All right. That is, if you don't recognize him, first off, let me just say that I was the only person that recognized him. Nobody in the restaurant recognized him either. Nobody in my group recognized him. They just kept walking. But this is the one and only Lonnie Lynn. He is an Emmy Award winning, Academy Award winning, Grammy Award winning rapper, more commonly known as Common. Somebody after first service said he's also in Microsoft commercials, apparently. I didn't know that. But this is the rapper Common, and he is very well known. And I was so shocked that he was there that I, I lost what little cool I have. And I let out a shriek that's much more akin to the demon-possessed than Bartimaeus. 
I've tried to reproduce the sound. I physically cannot do it. It was like an unintentional response to seeing Common. And I yelled to Common, and I'm so embarrassed to say this, I yelled to Common, Common, your portfolio, such great work. (laughs) Yeah, Common, your portfolio, such great work. I'm super cool, so cool. But let's be honest, when you look at me, I do not look like the type of person that would be familiar with Common's portfolio of really great work, but I am, and I just could not pass up the opportunity to meet him. I got a picture with him, and you can see that he is just as pleased to meet me as I was to meet him. We had a great conversation. It's a story for another time, but, um, but I just could not believe that I was the only person in this restaurant that recognized the greatness in our midst, and I couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk to him. I wouldn't pass it up. And Bartimaeus, he was in that same situation. He wouldn't pass up the opportunity to get Jesus' attention. He was persistent in his belief. And he cried to Jesus. He cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Another way to say that would be, Jesus, King, show me grace that I don't deserve. That's what mercy means. Undeserved grace. Perhaps Bartimaeus was familiar with scripture. Perhaps he knew the verse in Isaiah 35, 5 that says that when the Messiah sits on the throne, that then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. I wonder if Bartimaeus was claiming that promise if he was claiming the promise that his eyes would be opened by this Messiah, that maybe he recognized the kingdom that this Messiah, that this this king would usher in, it would be so much greater than the first century expectation, which they expected that this kingdom would be military, political sovereignty. I think that Bartimaeus saw that it was going to be so much more, that this kingdom would be a kingdom that brought healing, that brought wholeness, that brought hope to the oppressed. And he could not stay silent with that knowledge. But the crowd has some thoughts about what Bartimaeus is doing. What does the crowd tell him to do? They tell him to be quiet. They shush him. The crowd reacts, and many, not just one, not just two, not just a few, many rebuke him and tell him to be silent. They hushed the cries of this man. Because remember, they see him as divinely judged, as cursed with blindness. He's not deserving of Jesus' time. Jesus can't be bothered with a man like Bartimaeus, a filthy beggar. And so they attempted to silence him. And as I've read this passage, I really felt that there is a stern warning for us found in the crowd. When they hushed him, they were deciding who deserved God's mercies. May we not be like that crowd. May we not decide who deserves God's mercy. A pastor named Brenda Salter McNeil, she says, I wonder if we find ourselves running up against the compassion of God 
because we have already decided who we think God ought to bless. That stings. It stings a little, doesn't it? It stings because the reality is sometimes we do that. Sometimes we think we know who is deserving of God's blessing. But the reality is none of us are deserving of God's blessing apart from the work of Jesus. Not one of us, not Bartimaeus, not you, not me. None of us deserve God's blessing. And if we believe that Jesus is the one who brings salvation, if we believe that Jesus is the one who brings healing, that he is the one who found us in our blindness— that he found us when we were blind and now we see, then it should be our greatest honor to bring people to the feet of Jesus, to bring people into his mercy, and to bless those around him. Let it be a challenge to us to be agents of God's mercy, not the gatekeepers of it. It is not our job to decide who deserves God's mercy. And thankfully— Our buddy Bartimaeus was persistent. He did not listen to the rebuke of the crowd. In fact, he was persistent in his petition. He started crying out louder and louder and louder. He was like, turn it up to 11. We're going to the max here. He was going to cry louder and louder. And the good news is that Jesus heard his petition. Jesus heard the cries of the blind man and he stopped. In the middle of the road, he asked that same group who had told Bartimaeus to be quiet to go and get Bartimaeus and bring Bartimaeus to him. And Bartimaeus, ever the wallflower, he's very reserved in his response, isn't he? No, he's not at all. He jumps up, he throws off his cloak, and he rushes to Jesus. He takes off anything that might hinder him, any obstacle that might get in the way of him coming to Jesus. He comes to Jesus bold and bare, not heeding those who said he shouldn't, not heeding those who told him he was too loud, not heeding those who were going to say it's inappropriate that he'd removed his cloak. He would do anything to get to Jesus. And we should act in that same way. When Jesus calls us, when he bids us come, we should run to him. It reminds me of uh, my living room in the summertime, actually. We have a pool in our backyard, and I am always just shocked at how quickly a kid can get from our front door to a cannonball in the backyard. It really, it defies the laws of physics and gravity. It's amazing. And as I walk through my living room after the pool party starts, it is a mess of like shoes thrown off and shirts and backpacks and things knocked over because their eye is on the prize. They got to jump into the pool. Our lives, when Jesus calls us, they should look like that. There should be a wake of overcome obstacles, of removed hindrances, of things that we've thrown off so that we can jump into the goodness of our King. When we rush to the feet of Jesus, we know that we're coming into a place of comfort, a place of hope and healing, and a place of relief. And the good news is that relief is coming to our friend Bartimaeus in this story, because Jesus calls him and he asks him this question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? 
what do you want me to do for you? That seems like a silly question with a pretty obvious answer, right? I mean, the guy's blind. Like, we know what Jesus is going to do. Why did he ask that question? But let's think real quick about a couple of the options, the things Bartimaeus could have asked for. He understood Jesus to be a king, so he could have asked for some kingly things. He could have asked for power. He could have asked for money. He could have asked for fame. He could have asked for a new and better cloak because he had just thrown off his. There are a lot of things that he could have asked for. And we, shouldn't be surprised, we wouldn't be surprised if he answered in that way because in the verses previous to this chapter, Jesus asked the same question to two of his disciples, James and John. He said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, when you come to glory, when you come to power, we want to sit at your right hand and your left hand. Their answer to that question was a kingly answer, and it was self-focused, self-glorifying. And Jesus answered them and said, it's not mine to give. You're asking for the impossible. But when he asks Bartimaeus that same question, Bartimaeus actually asks for the impossible. He actually asks for a thing that cannot be done. He says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. A more, a better translation of that, he says, Rabboni, let me recover my sight. Rabboni, it means my teacher. And it's the highest honorific you can give to a teacher. My teacher, let me recover my sight. It's not a long oration. It's not filled with big words. It's not filled with telling Jesus why he should be healed. It's a bold, specific, simple prayer. Lord, let me recover my sight. He has the faith to approach Jesus with a bold and simple prayer. And in response, Jesus says to him, go, your loudness has made you well. Or is it, go, your hustle made you well. No, it's neither of those things because Bartimaeus, he was not healed because he yelled. He was not healed because of the number of times he asked. This passage, this sermon, is not called the pesterer. It is not about pestering Jesus. We have to be careful that we don't read into this passage that it means the squeaky wheel gets the oil. As if, if we ask Jesus enough times, if we say it loud enough, if we pray the right incantation, if we can just get God's attention, then our prayers will be answered. It's not like that. It's about persistence. Persistence of faith. Persistence of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Bartimaeus was blind. He couldn't see anything. He could not see anything. And yet he had the faith to believe that Jesus was the one, the only one who could give him the mercy that he didn't deserve. And so Jesus says to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Bartimaeus walks away healed. But he doesn't walk away, does he? Because there's one more way that Bartimaeus was persistent. Bartimaeus was persistent 
in his commitment to follow Jesus. The healing of Bartimaeus could just as easily be called the calling of Bartimaeus. It is just as much the story of a call of a disciple as it is the miraculous healing. He follows Jesus on the way. In in the Gospels, Bartimaeus is the only person personally healed by Jesus who is mentioned by name. I'm going to repeat that. The only person who is mentioned by name. And it's thought that the reason that he was mentioned by name is because he was so well known in the early church that when they read this account, this gospel, that they would say, oh, Bartimaeus, I know him. That, he's a quiet old guy, right? I know him. They would be familiar with who Bartimaeus was because he went from sitting on the roadside to being on the road with Jesus. He joined the throngs of Passover pilgrims with their Passover lambs, and he was walking with the Passover lamb, Jesus. And what a week. What a week to recover your sight. If you're going to pick a week, I think he picked the right one. Because within the next week, he would witness with previously blinded eyes the triumphal entry as throngs of people called out that Jesus was the son of David. Who do you think started that chant, calling Jesus the son of David? He would witness with previously blinded eyes the crucifixion, the cross, the death of Jesus. He would witness with previously blinded eyes the resurrection of Jesus, the defeat of death and the grave. And he would witness with previously blinded eyes the ascension of Jesus into heaven as the high king. He would be an eyewitness to all of these things because he was persistent in his faith in who Jesus was. Go your way, your faith has made you well. But he, he, his way was to follow Jesus. That was his way. Um, when I was asked to preach in this sermon series, uh, I almost turned it down. Which, if you know me, you know that I really love to preach. And so I usually jump at the chance. Uh, but I almost turned it down because I did not know, did not feel that I could be the person to preach to this. Because I have not seen God heal. Well, I've seen God heal. I've seen God do really really miraculous things. We hear stories like that, and we see that God does miraculous things. I've seen it, but I haven't experienced it in my own life. When I have prayed for healing, when I prayed for healing of myself, when we prayed for healing of my mom, when I've prayed for healing of my daughter, I've not experienced healing. And so I didn't know if I could be the voice to preach on this subject I didn't know if I could be the one to bring this message, to speak into this sermon series. We often talk about how when we preach, God preaches to us first. We say it a lot, and it may sound like we're just saying it, but it is so true. And it was very true for me in this sermon series. God has been preaching to me throughout this series, and God preached to me while I studied this passage I had to ask myself questions like, is my faith persistent? Is my faith bold? Do I pray bold prayers of faith? 
And it was very convicting when I realized that I have faith, but my faith has a lot of caveats. My faith has a lot of little asterisks that I use to explain things. I'm afraid to pray bold, specific prayers. I cushion them to cover my doubt. I say things like, if it pleases you, O Lord. Or, Lord, if you won't do this, will you do this? I bargain with God in my lack of faith, and it's all to cover my doubt. And any time like a little bit of boldness bubbles up inside of me and I think that I'm going to be bold and proclaim something, I, I shush myself. I'm my own rebuker. I don't need the crowd to rebuke me. I say things like, God can't be bothered with little old me. I am undeserving of his grace. I know that there are others here today that feel that. That healing's for someone else, but not for us. That God can't be bothered by little old us. But the words that I kept coming back to in this passage over and over again, I really believe that the Holy Spirit was illuminating them. It was almost like they were highlighted on the page of my Bible. The words I came back to were, and Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped in the middle of the road. He stopped what he was doing to pay attention to Bartimaeus. Jesus, he's not a God who can't be bothered. He's a God who stops and listens to the cries of his people. So the persistence in our faith, it's not found in the answered prayer or the unanswered prayer. It's found in the person who answers the prayer. It is found in the eternal king, the son of David, the God who saves, the God who stops but is also currently sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Isn't that good news? Persistence is continuing to believe no matter what. Continuing to pray no matter what the answer. And continuing to follow no matter where. It's continuing to persist in our faith in a God who is both the high king, sitting on a throne right now, And the God who stops and listens to our prayers. In Hebrews 7.25, we're told that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession. Think about that. The living God, Jesus lives to make intercession For us. That means that right now, at this very moment, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father and He is bringing our prayers and whispering them in the ears of God the Father. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Doesn't that make you want to pray with boldness, knowing that Jesus is interceding for you? I think it's an incredible thing. And I would venture to say that most of us. We all have that bold, persistent prayer, that very specific sentence that if Jesus was standing in front of us right now and he said to us, what do you want me to do for you? Your answer to that prayer. The prayer that seems too bold. The prayer that seems impossible. The prayer that's at the front of your mind, but sometimes you're afraid to speak it because it seems like it just can't be done. These are prayers like, Lord, let me recover my sight. Lord, heal me of my sickness. 
Lord, heal my marriage. Lord, free me from addiction. Lord, save my friend from unbelief. Lord, save me from my unbelief. I'll tell you what my prayer is. My prayer is, Lord, heal my daughter. It's a prayer that I, I prayed a lot, and, and I've stopped praying it, and I'm ashamed of that. I want to be bold, and I want to continue to pray and believe and have the persistence of faith that God can heal something that's incurable. That's my prayer. Lord, have mercy. Are we bold enough to pray those prayers? We're going to take some time right now to enter into a time of prayer, to spend some time responding, a chance for us to pray those bold prayers. Jesus called Bartimaeus to come to his feet, but he calls us, invites us to the foot of the cross, the place where he stopped and he laid down his life in the ultimate act of mercy, the ultimate act of undeserved grace, so that we might be in right relationship with him. And so I invite you to the foot of the cross to pray your bold prayer out loud. I invite you to even shout it if you want to, if you feel like you need to pray it boldly like Bartimaeus did. My hope is that this sanctuary, that will be filled with the prayers of God's people, that will be filled with our bold and persistent prayers. So what we're going to do is I'm going to invite any of our members of the prayer team to come forward and any of our elders to come forward as well. And we're going to do this almost like communion, that you can come out of your pews, come forward and just say your simple, bold, specific prayer. Our prayer team will echo back to you the ancient prayer of the church, the prayer that Bartimaeus cried out, Lord have mercy. So you'll say your prayer, they'll echo back. Lord, have mercy. If you feel like your bold prayer, like you're not ready to speak it out, that you're not really ready to say it, I would encourage you still to come forward because I know we all have that prayer. And just say, Christ, have mercy. And then our team will echo back to you, Lord, have mercy. Let me pray for us before we respond. Jesus, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on us. We know that you are the only one who can. We know that we don't deserve it. And we know that in your goodness, you give it to us. So have mercy on us. Hear the prayers of your people. Hear the cries of your people. May we be a people that are persistent in our faith. Lord, have mercy on us. Amen.
Jesus, we pray for your mercy. I can't think of anything else that I can say right now but to cry out to pray for your mercy. Would you be a God who gives us the relief that we long for? Would you send us your Holy Spirit, your comforter, so that we might know the comfort that comes from knowing you? We praise you for being the God who stops and stands with us and the high king of heaven, the God who sits in the tension of being with us and sitting at the right hand of God the Father. We pray that you would have mercy on us, that you would encourage us to be persistent in our faith, that we would be committed followers of you. We pray all these things in your matchless, your wondrous name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being here today. Um, If you didn't feel comfortable coming up during the prayer time, our prayer time will be, our prayer team will be up here to pray with you after the service. If you're new, visiting for the first time, I would love to meet you. Uh, I will be at the back wall. We have a mug that we'd like to give you as a gift. And I judge mugs by how warm they keep my beverages. This mug works. This mug will keep your beverage warm, so you'll want to get one of those. Um, And I think that's all the announcements we have after this service. So uh, please raise your hands to receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his wholeness both today and every day. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen.